Hey, my name is Akash Thakar, and this is Sound Business. This is the podcast where we dive into the mindsets and methods of some of the top musicians, sound designers, or audio creators in the world. We're going to interview everyone from plugin makers, performing musicians, video game composers, and everything in between, and learn how they run a successful business and how they're making a killer living in the worlds of music and sound. My hope with this podcast is that you can be exposed to the many myriad different ways there are to make a killer living in the worlds of music and sound, and help you realize that there's no one right way to get to the top. And with that, let's get into the episode. My guest today is Catherine Toll. Catherine is a voice actor and dialogue editor based out of Seattle and has worked on some really cool voice acting projects that at the time of this recording, she can't talk about just yet. But on top of some killer secret projects, she's also dialogue editor at Jackbox Games, working on the soon to be released Jackbox Party Pack 10. Catherine also teaches online courses in how to get jobs as a voice actor, especially through the voiceover marketplace, Voice123. In this episode, we talk about how she transitioned from being a full-time engineer in Silicon Valley to becoming a voice actor, how she got her first gigs in the world of voiceover, how to stand out in a sea of thousands of other voice actors, and much more. So without further ado, let's get into the episode with Catherine Toll. So... First question I have for you is you grew up as a creative kid. You know, you're doing things like theater and dance and all that sort of stuff that a creative kid does. And then at some point in your life, there was the idea of time to be an engineer. I want to hear about that kind of mindset shift and where that kind of came from. I always really loved tech as well. And I grew up on the computer. I grew up in a really beautiful place where everybody wanted to be outside going on hikes and, oh, look at these pretty waterfalls. And I wanted to be inside on my computer playing Dark Age or Camelot with strangers on the internet. (laughs) So as much as my lovely parents pushed me to be outdoorsy and like be into super sports and be really creative and take dance and I was in choir and everything, I always just really loved technology and I wanted to be on the computer and I liked my digital friends. And there was a point where I was really doing pretty well at keeping things very left and right brain. I was like in robotics and taking chemistry in high school, but I was also doing musical theater and in choir. And then when I got to college, that was when I really had to unfortunately pick between them because if I wanted to do choir in college, I had to commit to like 8 a.m. for a full year, but also my engineering classes were at 8 a.m. for a full year. So I ended up picking engineering because I was It was instilled in me early on that I needed to be able to take care of myself. And one of the ways to do that is financially. So I wanted to make sure that I had a career where I could go and make money and provide for myself. And that turned all of my creative endeavors into hobbies on the side. Mm, Gotcha. Gotcha. And what's interesting, though, is that your path to voice acting is that I believe I could be misremembering that your dad got into it first before you started doing it. Yeah, my dad during his like fourth life crisis, I love you, dad, decided (laughs) to move down to LA and go into voice acting himself because he's the kind of person who's been told his whole life, like, oh, you have such a rich, beautiful voice. Like people would stop him in the grocery store at checkout and was like, are you on the radio? You have such a, oh, I just love your voice, which is funny to me because no one has ever said that about my voice (laughs) ever. I have a very normal, like whatever voice. And I hear this all the time from voice actors that are really successful is like, I don't know, I just sound like someone's mom. And that's the kind of voice (laughs) acting that you need. 
it's few and far between that you need people that sound like Barry White. <laughs> and so my dad unfortunately realized, oh, it's more than just talking. That sucks. This is actually hard work. I don't want to do this. <laughs> but one Christmas, I was trying to bond with my dad, and I was trying to find something on Netflix that we could watch together. And I found a documentary. I believe it's called I Know That Voice or Do You Know That Voice or something like that. It's about voice acting. And I didn't really know anything about it because I always thought that people in cartoons and doing all this voiceover stuff were on-screen actors that just had their camera footage deleted. I had no idea that there was a separate world of people that just did voice acting. And so learning about that side of the creative world from this documentary was really eye-opening to me. Because when I was younger, I was interested in modeling, I was interested in dance and in theater and acting. But I had strong influences in my life that were like, they're going to tell you how to be and how to look. And I was a very independent child. I didn't want anybody to tell me those things. And the idea that I can dye my hair and I can look however I want and nobody cares what I look like. I can sit in front of this microphone. You don't know what I look like. You can look up a picture of me, but it doesn't matter. It matters what I sound like. And that changes a lot less frequently than how my exterior looks. Yeah, that makes sense. And you mentioned something just a second ago where you said voice acting is just more than talking and just showing up and talking. And I think a misconception is that some people think like, well, if you got a good voice, all you need to do is talk, but talk about how much more there is to it. Oh, man. Yeah, it's it really is acting, which is why I always try and call myself a voice actor and not a voice talent or a voiceover artist. I think of it much more in the acting sphere especially with video games and animation, it's a full body expression. And just because the microphone is only capturing my voice doesn't mean that I'm not doing all the same things that an actor would be doing on screen. It's just you don't get to see those things. But you will hear them. You can absolutely hear over a phone when your friend is smiling versus when they're not. And with acting comes a lot of skills that you don't think about in your daily life. But yeah, you can hear when someone's reading a script. And I think a lot of the skill of voice acting comes from, can you take those words that someone else has written and make it sound like they're naturally coming out of your mouth for the first time? And that is something that takes a lot of practice. Uh, it's almost like you're you're practicing on how to make it sound like you've never done voice acting before. <laughs> That's a really good way of putting it. It needs to sound really, really natural without it sounding necessarily practiced in air quotes. Yeah, yeah. Because if it's too polished, <laughs> it's much more of a classical, like, announcery style of read. And it's just not in fat anymore. Mm, that makes sense. But that's a skill in and of itself to make it sound like that. And when you were working in the tech field after, you know, you graduated college and all that... There must have been some point where you did this on the side and started studying and working through that. So how did you kind of break that apart? And what did you start with when it was that initial days of you getting into it? Yeah. So after I watched that documentary with my dad that Christmas, a month or so later, I looked up just on Google, like voice acting schools near me. And I learned about Voice Tracks SF because I was living in the Bay Area at the time. And they had like a $50 intro, four-hour course come up and we'll teach you what voice acting is. So I thought I would commit to that first and just see. And after that class, there was just something in me that felt very much like I was home. And I, I don't really know how to describe it, but it was like a really wonderful creative calling that felt like a perfect amalgamation of all the things that I loved about musical theater and dance and even modeling, but also like my tech skills coming into play because of the microphone and the technology involved in self-recording. 
And it just felt like the perfect world and a family of people that also make weird sounds and noises and (laughs) copy people's accents accidentally. And so it was really fun. And as I was working in tech in the Bay Area for a number of years, I was taking more and more classes on the nights and weekends while doing my normal job. And it got to a point where I was then up here in Seattle, where I am now, working for a company that was about to be acquired by a much larger company that I didn't super want to work for anymore. And I made this little list when I was on vacation, when I was thinking about maybe leaving them. I'm sitting in a hammock in San Juan, looking out at a beautiful ocean and feeling very creative and realizing that there was kind of no time like the present to attempt to be a full-time creative. And so I wrote this list that was trying to identify all the things I was afraid of if I were to go full-time into this and have these little reminders. So the first one is, I am smart, passionate, and talented enough to be a voice actor. Many people are highly successful at this job and not just because of luck. If I try it for a year or two and hate it after all, then my time won't have been wasted and I won't be unable to find a well-paying job. I have a supportive husband who loves me and wants me to do this. I have an entrepreneurial spirit no matter how much I resist it or fail to spell it. I can't spell. (laughs) (laughs) I will have the freedom to craft my life the way I want it to be, which is important to me. There are resources available for me to succeed and friends and teachers to lend advice. And lastly, I need to try it at some point in my life. Why not now? So I put these by my bed just to remember that these are all still true. And again, if I ever want to not do this full time, I have the ability to do that too. I could go back into the workforce if I needed to. It's not like, oh, because I've been out of it for a few years, I can never go back and work at a tech company. And I really do love being able to craft my own life and have my time be spent how I want it to be spent. So those were the things that kind of kept me going and made me take the plunge, leave my job, and try being a voice actor (laughs) (laughs) full-time. I think most people do a bit more of a, they start making money at one thing, and then that's when they decide to kind of like wean down their day job and go into it full-time. But for me, I get a bit all or nothing about my work. And working at the jobs that I was working at, working at startups and things that really consume a lot of your nine to five as well as after that, I didn't really have much time that I was finding to be able to do passions and hobbies and craft a part-time voice acting job before I went into it full-time. So I went from nothing to everything to see if it would work. And I had saved up money from working in tech for a number of years. So I had like my little nest egg. I was like, all right, I'm going to give it a couple of years. And if I can't start making, you know, enough money to sort of sustain this as an actual career, then I'll go back and do what I was doing before. Nice. And surely when you decided to do this full time, you got good overnight and the gigs just started coming in nonstop, right? 24 hours is all it took. (laughs) (laughs) It was really exciting to get the business paperwork together and open up business bank accounts and stuff. And I did all that fun initial work. And then I kind of looked around and there were sort of crickets happening (laughs) for a couple months. And um, that's when I decided to start streaming because that would give me more of a structured schedule. And it would also help me practice characters, practice cold reading, getting out there into the community and trying to spread the word that I was a voice actor. There was kind of some different things and reasons why I wanted to stream. And I was streaming like any video games that didn't have any voiceover for the characters. 
And then I was improv creating the characters as I was playing the games. So that was really fun. And I did that for a while until it became too much of my calendar. It was really helpful during the pandemic because that was a way for me to have a big social outlet and build a community when a lot of us were having a hard time. And then it got to the point where my various careers, kind of multiple careers have sprouted over over the couple uh, last couple of years from starting in voiceover. And that took up so much of my time that I really didn't have time to do streaming anymore. So I'm not doing that anymore. But uh, yeah, it took probably three months, four months for me to get my first paying job. And then from there, it kind of has has ramped up aggressively since then. But yeah, no, it's not. It's certainly not an overnight situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, can you talk to me? You don't have to mention client names or anything, but how that first job even came about, how it was discovered or how you auditioned or anything like that. Yeah. It's funny how we all have a wealth of community in our lives. And it turns out that a lot of people you know can probably get you jobs, but they don't know that. And so I was posting on Facebook periodically through this kind of initial business stage being like, hey, I'm a voice actor now. Here's this thing that I worked on. Here's a game jam that I did. And a friend of mine from the Bay Area who worked at a startup saw that I was a voice actor now. And they were working on um, just a a campaign. She was on the marketing team. And when they said they were going to need a voiceover for that video, she was like, oh, I I have a friend who is a voice actor. Do you want to listen to her stuff? And so my friend sent the rest of the marketing team my website. They listened to it and they just hired me on the spot. Because doing casting calls and all that is a lot of work versus, oh, this is a person that you know? Oh, okay, we trust them then. And let's just hire them. They sound great. Like, let's just go forward with that. So they, I don't think, knew that that was my first paying job. But it went well. And they've hired me three or four times since then. Very nice. And you mentioned something about when people trust you or know you, you kind of can dodge that whole casting call and that whole process. And can you talk to me about the idea of networking as a voice actor, because that's not a thing I hear kind of paired together. Usually people just put themselves up on the internet and sit back and wait, but you've obviously talked to people and made your way into various communities. Yeah, I I am an extrovert, sometimes cripplingly. <laughs> and I have done a lot of the work as a voice actor out in the world telling people that I'm a voice actor because no one needs a voice actor all the time. There's no such thing as being like an in-house voice actor, really. (laughs) It's all about when someone needs you, do they think of you? And there's those like multiple touch points, being in somebody's life, being around in the right communities, so that when someone needs someone, either that direct person thinks of you or someone else that they know thinks of you and says, oh, hey, you should check out Catherine. I I think she's a voice actor. And so I would go to conferences. I would go to not only voice acting conferences, which are great for other reasons, but they're not really going to get you clients usually, but other industries where you might get hired. And so whether that's PAX or GDC or GameSoundCon or I'm trying to think of other ones I've been to. I know some people go to e-learning conferences and audiobook conventions and things like that to try and find clients and just be out in the world and be a known entity. I think it's really hard for people. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, And if you go out on Google and you search for voice actors, you're typically going to find online casting sites and not individual voice actors. So creating a website and sitting back isn't usually super helpful. And there's a you kind of mentioned this just a second ago with all the different types of gigs of e-learning and audiobooks. A common kind of misconception with beginners I've noticed is that it's like, okay, it's games or anime and that's it. 
But can you talk to like the many, many, many different kinds of projects or gigs you can work on as a voice actor? Oh, goodness. There's so many. It's funny. Usually people are like, oh, yeah, I do audiobooks only or, oh, I do everything except for audiobooks. There's this like really interesting, (laughs) strong fence. Very few people do audiobooks and other things. So let's see. There's audiobooks. There's animation, right? There's anime as well as like Cartoon Network style of animation. And then there's dubbing is a whole huge world both movie and things like anime. There's e-learning, there's corporate narration, medical narration, there's political spots, which are similar to commercials, but a little bit different. Within the commercial genres, there's automotive versus retail versus like PSAs. In the corporate world, there's explainer videos versus more like HR training style, course content, the whole wide world of video games. There's ADR, there's Walla in the movie genres. That's probably enough. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. Totally. And uh, you mentioned that, you know, when you Google voice actor, and I've done this before, if you type in like voice actor in Seattle, it's almost always marketplaces, right? Like when people are looking, you'll see like voice one, two, three and other stuff like it, um, basically giving a huge list of actors And I'm wondering how someone like you even stands out in any of those communities, whether it be these online marketplaces or someone's looking for games or e-learning or anything like that. How do you even stand out when people are looking amongst thousands of other actors? Yeah, that's a great point. A lot of those marketplaces have filters and very specific things people are looking for. Like they might be looking for a BIPOC actor, but then of course there's all the different subcategories within that. Or they're looking for a Brit who's in the age range of like 16 to 21. From there, it really is up to your demos to shine and make you stick out. Or in some marketplaces, it's how you write about yourself or what keywords you use to describe your voice that maybe someone's looking for. But the audio really is a lot of what it turns into is just like clicking play on 10 different people and do they hear what they like? Because in a lot of ways, we are replaceable with other actors. So it can come down to once you've worked with someone, are you easy to work with? Were you nice? Were you fun? Did you show up on time? Was your audio quality great? There's things that kind of keep clients or don't keep clients afterwards. But the initial, how does someone find you? It is really rough. It's hard. Mm -hmm. And for people who are maybe just starting out, Is that the kind of route you recommend is going to one of these marketplaces and then throwing stuff up? Or where do they kind of start if they're just getting their feet wet after maybe taking a few classes? I think a couple of the marketplaces are a good way to practice and hone skills and just learn what's out there. There are some of them that are a little bit more predatory than others for if you're new versus if you're competing against people that also have LA agents. But for people interested in like anime and video games, There's fan projects or indie games. Like I love game jams are such a great way to get started because they're fun. But also at the end of a weekend, you actually get something to put on a reel and show produced work. By comparison, if you start working on some indie games that might be paid, you might not get that demo ever or in a year or in five years. So it's hard to get started doing actual projects, but have things to show to get more projects, unless you're doing these kind of smaller bite-sized projects to get known. And my route was doing things in person, going to local 
video game meetups. Seattle Indies was a really great way for me to get started and just get to know game developers in the industry, be available, be a resource for people. And uh, game jams are so much fun. Woohoo, game jams. For people trying to get started in other genres, you usually take enough classes that you get to the point where you make a demo. And then after you make a demo, you maybe use these marketplaces or you direct market or you do some networking to get your first couple of clients. And then once you have some dollars to show that you can actually book work, then usually people get an agent. And maybe it's a small agent first. And then maybe after that, you get a New York or an LA agent. And then it kind of blossoms from there. But those are kind of the initial broad strokes of stepping stones. Now you mentioned kind of putting up you know, good demos or making demos or getting demo material. And I've been in the position where I've hired voice actors before. I've hired you before. It's been great. And I have been in a position where I've had to, you know, hire actors from a certain province or a certain state or something like that because of grants and all that. And I've even worked with agencies who sent me demo reels, who, which this is not an exaggeration, had phones ringing in the background, sounded like oh, no. recorded in the middle of a moving car with a Nokia flip phone from 2001. <laughs> and this is high level agency stuff. Like this is like, here's our best. And it is some of the worst audio quality I've ever heard in my life. So I'm curious how you start to get into the world of learning how to record yourself, you know, not just screaming into a phone and sending an MP3, but instead going a little bit further and how you start to learn that stuff. Yeah, the tech skills are becoming so, so much more important than they ever were before now that everyone's expected to have a home studio. And those people that just like pull over on the side of the road and use their phones in their car to record auditions and stuff, like that was how things legitimately were for a short period of time. But there was sort of this in-between when everyone went into their agent studio or recording studio to do their auditions, then, you know, if you needed something right away, they'd be like, okay, well, just pull over and just give me something. And it was up then to the casting director to kind of mentally remove all that noise and just assume like, <laughs> oh, okay, okay, you know, they, they sound right. Like, the final stuff will be in a studio. It's fine. But now we're not sure. Like, is that your really terrible home studio or <laughs> is that a phone in a car? And there are certainly tons and tons of classes people can take about microphone technique, setting up your recording studio, what DAWs to use, how to edit things, because more and more especially on the online marketplaces like Voice123 and Voices.com, your clients are going to expect your audition audio to sound like your final product. And so there's a certain amount of editing that you'll probably want to do to make it sound the way that they would just slap it into a video and go from there. Because they might not even have an audio engineer on their team. They might be expecting you to give them the final product and then it's going to be on Microsoft's website. And you're like, oh, there are mouth noises in that still. Ah, crap. <laughs> so very important kind of now more than ever to be able to at least to some degree edit yourself and get clean recordings yeah and i think it also really takes a trained ear to even hear that stuff maybe those voice actors are sending in those demos because they think that it sounds great like because their part of it sounds great but then you put it in the hands of an audio engineer and they're hearing all the pops and the cracks and the mouth noise and they're like oh what is this we all hear different things because we're all tuned to different things. And I can play something for someone that doesn't have any audio background and they're like, yeah, that sounds great. And I'm sitting there like, mm -hmm, I need to fix 19 things about that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but it's all relative, right? Totally. Totally. 
And one thing that you do on top of all of the stuff that you do with voice acting and kind of uh, constantly getting cooler and cooler gigs is that you also help other people break into the industry as well. You've taught courses on Voice 123 and you've kind of helped people get their start. And I'm wondering from a student point of view, do you see a through line with something that your students tend to struggle with or up and comers in general tend to struggle with that you help people with? Ooh, yeah. I mean, certainly with Voice 123, it's how do I stand out amongst all of these like thousands and thousands of other voice actors that could be cast like me. So that's something that I help people with. And also getting started and knowing where to go first, because there's so many different schools out there. I really do recommend that people go to a school, follow classes, but also look around at other schools. Everybody pretty much is digital at this point with their classes, thanks to the pandemic. And you can find so, so much for free out in the world. Like, so much. It's crazy. So many people want to help people get into this industry, and we all know it's difficult. And I think what's really beautiful about the voice acting community is that we see it as a community and not competition. Because sure, I could be cast for something that one of my friends could also be cast for. But you celebrate each other's wins because the next one might be you, or also there's tons of guys that help get into the industry that I'm not really competing with because I'm not going to be cast for the same stuff they are. Other ways that I help people get into it are I don't personally coach people to be voice actors because I think that there are other people that are much better suited to that. I only feel comfortable having people pay me for things that I feel I'm, I'm an expert in, and that would be voice one, two, three. That is one thing where like I am the world's industry leader on doing well on that site. And I can say that because I am. Nobody else teaches a course on this platform. And it's also like approved by them personally. So that's something that I love helping people with and really sticking out online and figuring out how people are going to search and find you specifically. And that can help with things like Vocant.com or Voices.com, Bidalgo, and other places, other marketplaces. But specifically, my knowledge is in Voice123. And you mentioned earlier, you know, getting into the tech side of things. There has been an expansion for you in, in that realm in that now you do dialogue editing as well on top of voice acting. So I'm curious, how did that even come about? What was the first foray into getting into that? Yeah, I love dialogue editing so much now. It started because a couple other Seattle-based video game audio folks and I wanted to start a co-op because we were all sad being our individual freelancer selves. So we started this co-op called Plant-Based Audio. And the idea was that we were building a community of people co-working together as well. And one of my colleagues, Kyle, was working on a game where they were expecting him to cast, record, and process like 30,000 lines of dialogue, I think, for the game, on top of him doing his normal composing and sound design and audio team lead. And so he was panicked and was like, I need someone to subcontract for me working on this game. I don't know if any of you guys would be interested. I'll go to the rest of the community if not. But I was like, that sounds like a terrible idea for me to take on right now. Let's do it. This sounds great. <laughs> I am famously someone who says yes to things, even if maybe I shouldn't. But that's how I learn and have had 19 different careers. So I don't know what I don't like until I go and try it, right? So I helped Kyle cast, record. I became an audio engineer for a little while. I did some casting for the first time and then helped him process all these, these lines of dialogue. And I realized I really loved it. And it's the kind of work that I think a lot of people 
uh, would assume is really tedious or monotonous. Like it's like the boring grunt work of audio. And I loved it so much. It was the kind of work where I could just sit down and do it. And it didn't matter if I'd had milk that day or I was feeling crabby or I didn't get enough sleep or all the things that can affect my voice as a voice actor. I could have yogurt that morning and still do my work. (laughs) (laughs) And so I took that knowledge of how much I loved dialogue editing and I happened to be going to GameSoundCon where I was at this small track There was a dialogue and voice acting track at GameSoundCon this last year. I think it was the first year that they had done it. So it was the smallest track. And there were some various, like, dialogue editing and video casting and recording sessions. But because we were the smallest track, we were all in this tiny room. And we kind of got to know each other over the course of the couple days of the conference because we were all seeing each other constantly. And I had asked a question about the work I was doing with Kyle at Everbloom Studios, I had asked a question about, like, trimming files based on silence or something like that. And the guy that I asked it to didn't really have a great recommendation for me. or just didn't really know it was not something he had come across before. But after uh, that session, I had someone tap me on the shoulder. And it was this guy, Avery. He works with me at Jackbox now. And he was like, oh, hey, I think I have an answer for you. Soundforge, this and that. Give me a recommendation. I was like, oh, hey, thanks. We started chatting, found out eventually he worked at Jackbox. I was like, that's so cool. And brought him out to dinner with him and his colleague and some of my friends, and we just had a great time. And I think the, like, a little tangent here is that going to conferences just to make friends and not trying to make contacts or, like, business network is so much better than this idea of, like, hunting for work versus just planting seeds being friendly to people and seeing what happens later, right? Okay, so back to my story. We all have dinner. We have a great time. There's like a happy hour the next day, so I kind of just wanted to stay in touch with them. I didn't even grab them on Twitter or anything. I think we ended up connecting on LinkedIn. I don't know why. And so didn't think about Avery again until three months later. I was done with the Everbloom work, and he reached out to me on LinkedIn and was like, hey, we're going to need a dialogue editor for our upcoming party pack. I don't know if you'd be interested but do you want to talk about it? I was like, heck yes, I do. This is exciting. And through that conversation and just me having a random question in a panel at a conference, I now work for Jackbox. And I I just love things like that because you never really know what's going to happen. And through saying yes to stuff that I probably shouldn't have said yes to if I was in my right mind, I am now doing something that I really love. And it's a wonderful compliment to me doing my voice acting because I'm doing all my own dialogue editing anyway. It's something that I have half a decade of experience doing. I'm just now doing it for other people's voices as well. So they complement each other really well. And I like that if I'm feeling really creative, I go into the booth and I do some auditions. And if I'm not feeling creative and I just want to do something technical, I sit down and I hammer out some mouth noise and some pops and I get on my merry way with my dialogue editing. I really love that. That's cool. You have a nice balance between two separate sides of the same sort of craft in a way. Yeah. And again, ever since I was little, I've always been really left brain, right brain. I want to be really technical, but I want to be really creative. And I've never wanted to stick with just one or the other. Mm. I feel like that's true of a lot of people I'm seeing in the voice acting world, too. So it seems to be this perfect blend. Yeah, especially now where you have to be technical because you can't just go into studios and have them record everything for you all the time. Now, I'm sure you've had people come up to you and maybe they haven't even started in 
the world of voice acting, but they might ask you, you know, how do I break in? How do I break into the voice acting world? And I'm curious, is that the right question to be asking at all if you want to start voice acting professionally? Or is there something else they should be thinking about before even breaking in? Yeah, I think it's important to ask yourself when you're getting started, do you want to do this as a hobby? Do you want to make this your new career? What is your goal for it? Because I think the paths are really different and your expectations are going to be different. And I entered into it initially as just, I was just curious, but I never really have done this for fun. I always approached it from the angle of, do I think I could make this a business? Is this something I want to do for work? And I know other people that I took classes with that was like, you know, they were retired and they were just really enjoying being creative and having fun and loving their voice and being expressive. And that was very different for them than for me. I think knowing whether you want to treat this like a business or not will also make you realize that you need a certain amount of initial capital to create a recording studio. And if you want to be competitive at a certain level and make money with it, then you need to have maybe five, $6,000 to create demos, take classes, get you know your equipment. And so it's not a great, oh, I'm going to buy a $100 mic and sit in my office and be competitive. If you want to do like fan projects and yeah, then like game jams and stuff, then totally you can do that. But that's a different route than do you want to make money from this or do you want to enjoy it as like a hobby? Hmm. Hmm. That makes sense. And you've had the engineer route, the voice acting route, the dialogue editing route. And now I'm curious, what are you learning right now, considering you've done all these various things, what are you focused on upping your skills in? Is it more voice acting classes? Is it more dialogue editing? Is it something else? It's a bit more of the audio engineer dialogue pipeline side of things. Like I know that if I wanted to go and be hired in a studio like a Bungie or something like that, that there's a certain amount of dialogue pipeline I need to be responsible for. And so I'm I'm inching towards learning things like FMOD and WISE and understanding the full process from, okay, a script is written all the way to it's implemented in the game. And fortunately, I have my colleagues at my co-op that I can rely on. Like Colin is an incredible audio implementer, so I can learn from him. And I have ZW that I can learn sound design from. And there's all kinds of great courses online for learning FMOD and WISE. That's probably what I'll start doing next after I'm done with Jackbox. But also, I just I kind of just accept things that come my way. And if something looks interesting, then I say yes. And I jump in with both feet and I figure out whether I've made a mistake or not. But I've certainly jumped into things and made mistakes and, and backpedaled or gone left at a fork or whatnot. But I try and leave things better than when I got there. Mm-hmm. I like that. And the the idea of kind of even going further, you know, learning FMOD wise, the pipeline is really cool to hear because a lot of people say, like, all right, I'm good. And then kind of stop growing. But it's really cool to hear this kind of new direction that you're also taking your skills in. Yeah. Voice acting is the longest I've ever worked on one specific thing. Before that, I had never had stayed in a job at a company for more than two years. Like I never quite got to the two year mark. And I'm 35. So (laughs) I have done a lot of different things because I always needed to be learning and growing. And if I got to the point where I felt like I wasn't, then I looked for either a different job at the same company or I looked for a different company. And it's very accepted in the Bay Area that people do that. 
And I think in creative outlets, it's pretty normal too, like for even less than that, right? Because all these contract gigs are a month or four months. (laughs) But I think in a lot of other careers that would be frowned upon, oh, you just can't stick to anything or you're not reliable. (laughs) No, I just often would automate myself out of a job and you don't need me anymore. So I'm going to go over here. Or I've been laid off a couple times too, because that's the world of startups. Things don't always work out for the company. And so just really trying to stay with the flow and uh, seeing what kind of comes my way and saying yes to things. So a question that I ask everyone who comes on the show is when you were first starting out, and that could be when you're first kind of transitioning from the engineer tech world to voice acting, or it could be when you're getting your first gig, how did you define success and how has that changed over time? And what is that definition nowadays? I realized one of my mistakes, and this is why I recommended people figure out what their goal is if they want to get into voice acting, that when I got into it, I didn't have one. I still don't really have a a goal for voice acting, which makes it hard (laughs) to know whether I've been successful at it. I've been doing it. I think if I am still learning and if there's something next for me to do, that is a success for me personally. I am very driven by what is new and what is interesting and, oh, look shiny over here. And I want to always feel like I'm making progress. And so if I give myself goals like make X amount of money per month, then when I hit them, I'm not one to set a new goal. I'll somewhat feel like I've done that and then go search for something else. I don't know what it is about my neurodivergent brain that thinks that way, but I think I have to give myself really just like next steps and not overall goals. Ah, That's a great answer. I love it. (laughs) And as a last question, where can people find you? Feel free to plug anything, courses, websites, all that sort of good stuff. All right. So for my various tendrils of career, you can find plant-based audio at plantbasedaudio.com, which is the Seattle-based game audio co-op that I started with ZW, Colin, and Kyle. You can find me personally at katherinetoll.com, which is my voice acting website that has all of my demos on it. And I'm working for Jackbox Games. You should check out the party pack number 10. It's going to be fabulous. Everything is on my website, social media-wise, so it's easier for you to just click on those. But I'm K-G-T-O-L-E on things like Twitter and Instagram. I have a Facebook page I don't use anymore. And on Discord, I'm Katherine Toll. Beautiful. Awesome. Thank you so much for taking the time today. I think people are going to get a lot out of this. Yay. Thanks, Akash. That's the end of today's episode. Thank you so much for listening as always. And considering I work in the world of video game, music, and sound, and so many people are always asking me how they break into that field, I have a newsletter set up for you. So if you want to learn how to make music and sound effects for video games and actually be paid to do it, just go to bit.ly forward slash soundbizpod. Sound, B-I-Z, pod. And that newsletter will set you up with two free courses and a bunch of free ebooks and even sound effects that'll get you set up and teach you how to work in the world of video game, music, and sound. Thanks so much, and I'll see you next time.